appreciated and uh, in a lot of ways overstated, but thank you very, very much. What a, what a blessing. Uh, church, I, I can't tell you how excited I am about today and uh, the, the messages coming up and, and the weeks ahead. Uh, this is a, sort of a, a passion of mine, so uh, I want to ask a few questions to get us launched into this today. And Number one, in, in light of today's challenges, uh, what encourages us to focus on the future and adopt a positive attitude? What fuels our fire of expectations when life gets long and uncomfortable? What inspires greatness? Uh, what is the key to unity? What is the, the target of the church? And what is it that Solomon says, without it, the people perish? One word. Say it with me. Vision. Vision. Can you see today? Can you see today? One of the beautiful things is as you walk with God, that God desires for us to have a godly vision. And a godly vision consists of three things. Number one, foresight, insight, and oversight. Let me explain. Foresight has to do with what is ahead as it connects us to the future and our part in it to motivate us to keep on doing what God has called us to do. It answers the question, what are we supposed to be doing? Insight. This answers the question is, why are we doing what we're doing? Oversight has to do with how we are doing with what we're supposed to be doing. Now, as we understand this, God helps us to see that a godly vision is not only foresight, insight, and oversight, but it must come from his sight. His sight comes from God's word. He has given us his revelation so that therefore we have no doubt in the direction in which we should be going. Vision starts with his sight. You see, God is the initiator of vision. You see, vision comes from God. And I have found in my life a vision from the Lord creates a mission from heaven. Adam and Eve at the very beginning tells them the vision that he has for them. Be fruitful and multiply and rule under his authority through an intimate love relationship with him by which you would reflect who I am and the character of who I am. He goes on in Abraham. He comes to Abraham. Abraham's not seeking after God. God comes seeking after him, and he takes this initiative, and he comes to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I want to make you a great nation, and all the families will be blessed through you. God speaks and comes and initiates this vision of Joseph in his life. He tells Joseph and gives Joseph this dream of being a ruler to save his people. He comes to Moses as he's on the backside of a desert thinking that nobody is around. Here he is, and God comes to him and says, Moses, Moses, I have a vision for your life, and the vision I have for you is to be a deliverer for the people of Israel as they are in Egypt, and I come to call you to be my instrument by which you deliver my people out of the bondage of sin. 
God come to Joshua at the end of Moses' life and reveals to him, Joshua, you are to lead my people to the promised land. David, you find that he is a little shepherd boy out in the fields, and he's watching over the sheep there. And God comes to him and initiates a vision for David and tells him, David, I've called you and have come to anoint you to be king of Israel. God spoke to Nehemiah. He initiated a vision for him and tells him through the burden of his heart. He says, Nehemiah, I want you to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus Christ himself come to Peter and told Peter that, Peter, God has a vision for your life. You and all these other disciples here, God is going to use you, Peter, to build his church. God come to the apostle Paul as he's on the road to Damascus to destroy the church and to kill Christians. But God, being rich in his mercy because of his great love, loved the apostle Paul and reached down to him and spoke to him and shared with him that, that Paul, Paul, I have a vision for you. You're going to be a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before others. Even the Lord Jesus Christ had a vision from his father. He tells the people, he tells his disciples, he says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, God helps us throughout life to see that, you see, without vision, people perish. The accurate translation of that is, without revelation from God, the people live unrestrained lives. That's the idea. That's why it's important that you and I have a vision for our life. You see, I, I learned early on when I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior that God had put in my heart a vision for him. And as I began to grow in that relationship with him and out of that relationship, he began to give me a vision of what I wanted for my family. And he began to show me the other things of life and what he was going to do with my life and ministry later on. God comes, God initiates, God reveals, God shows us through his word and through God's people and through prayer and through the circumstances of life, he lets us know, I don't want you to be ignorant of my will. I want you to know my will so that you can carry out my will. There's four things I have learned about vision is this. Each vision, and you can go right, right down the list of ones I've shared, and by the way, I could have given you a hundred more. But because of time, I'm not. But one of the things I realize is this, is each vision is unique to each individual. Number two, each vision is a God-sized thing that only God can do and will accomplish through you if you'll trust him. Three, each vision is for the glory of God and the blessing of others. And four, they know the vision was from God. God has a vision for Freedom Bible Church, and I want to just share my heart with you today. I am passionate about this, and I believe this with everything I've got. And I know as we've taken a journey, as God has taken us through steps of faith, he's getting ready to take us through another step of faith, church. Get ready, hang on, the great adventure of walking with God and seeing God do great and mighty things. We have just begun to see the great things that God has for us. Amen? Amen. There's three things I want you to see in this vision. Going, growing, 
and sowing. Say it with me. Going, growing, and sowing. All right? Are you ready this morning? Three things. Here we go. Number one, vision. Uh, I have a vision. We have a vision as a leadership of this church. The vision of going out to our community and beyond. One of the things that I've realized before we can ever go, as God's called us to go, we must first go to the Lord for help. One of the things I have found in my walk with God is I can have a lot of ambition. I have a lot of desire. And one of the things that if you're not careful as a type A personality is you launch out there and do it in your own strength. And I can tell you I have fallen on my face countless times to tell you don't go that way. Amen? And we as a church, I have believed this with everything in my being, when God first started this church, I've realized that the, the, the engine that was going to drive this church would be men and women on their face before God. I believe that with everything. I, you see, if you're going to accomplish what God has for you, you're going to need the strength of God. And I love this in Psalms 34.10. It says this, those who go to the Lord for help, will have every good thing. Get a hold of that. Isn't that great? That's awesome. You see, we are going to ask God, watch this, for a passion for him and for his heart. A passion for him and for his heart. I, wanna, I want you to see something, that Jesus, he's walking with his disciples, he's training them, he's equipping them, he's modeling for them how to live this new life. And, and Jesus, if anything about Jesus, you know, is that he had a passion for his father, number one, and he had a compassion for people, all right? Now, watch this. In, in, in Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 35 and following, it says this. <laughs> and Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want you to get a hold of this. Jesus helps him to see that one of the things that we often miss as a church is that you can have a passion for God, and you say, man, I just love God. I come in here, I worship God, I love God, I have a passion for God. But listen, if your passion does not lead to compassion, you have missed Christianity. And you see, God helps us, and he gives us his passion for the Father, for the Son, and for the Holy Spirit. Now, out of that, he puts in our heart his heart. He, listen, this is what happened. When I come to know Jesus, when he received, he, he took me in. When, when he initiated a relationship to me and called me by his grace, undeserved in every way, I said, Lord, I don't know what all this means, but here I am. I surrender all to you. And he took my life. He re I received Christ I, because I believed on him. And that point on, I become a believer of him. And you know what happened? He exchanged my heart, old heart, for a new heart. Amen. And this new heart 
was in perfect alignment with his heart. Now, what was his heart? A compassion for people. Now, watch this. That word compassion is thrown around a lot. Let me just help you to understand. P compassion has to do with a twofold thing. There is an incredible love in your heart. And watch this. There is an also an incredible burden in your heart by which your stomach turns in knots. And one of the things I've realized is when Jesus looked out upon the, the people, he saw something about the people that you and I miss quite often. He saw the people as harassed and helpless. In other words, the original words from, uh, from the Greek on harassed and, uh, and helpless is this picture. They were thrown down and they had no enthusiasm for life. That's the picture. He saw people differently than we see people. We see people this way. They mess up and they're constantly messing up. And we say, what a stupid idiot they are. Jesus looks out upon the world, and he sees the world, watch this, with his heart, and his heart it has one of compassion. He loves them, and his stomach is turned in knots because they are harassed and helpless, and they are in desperate need of somebody to show them this compassion. This is what Jesus does. He points out to his disciples do you see the people like I see them? Oh, they just need to get a grip. They just need to pull themselves up by their pant legs. They just need to whatever. You know the statements that we often throw out there. Instead, you know what Jesus, how he saw people? His stomach was in knots because of the pain that he felt of what they were feeling. Listen, I understand a little bit of this. Because if you've ever been bound by something and you couldn't get out of it even in all your strength and ability and everybody telling you you ought to do this and you ought to do that, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. Listen, if you've ever been there, your pastor's been there. And I can tell you, I have a great compassion for people. I have a compassion for those who are bound in addiction. I have a compassion for those who have been, had injustice come their way in life. I have a compassion for the single parent. I have a compassion for those orphans. I have a compassion for our world that don't know what they're doing, and yet they're going every way but God's way. Let me ask you, do you have a compassion in your heart? Or is your life so centered in you that you have no compassion for nobody else? God's heart is one of compassion. He tells us in his word, I have given to you, disciples, the power to be able to do this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I don't have it on the screen, but it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Watch this. 
God's speaking to us here at Freedom. Hear me. Here's a modern translation. Don't throw stones at me yet. Hear me. God has given to us. We have received his power, the Holy Spirit. And he tells us he's given us this power for a purpose. That purpose is not to sit on our blessed assurance. But our purpose is to go. To go and tell people in, watch this, in the community that God has placed us in. Watch this, Blanchard Road, Washington Road, uh, Herfer Farm Road, and the roads beyond. Listen, he's called us to read all the way to the streets of Haiti and China and Russia and so on and so forth. God has called us to be a part of his eternal plan. And his eternal plan is to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. The only thing that's going to change this world is this, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, I'm going to give you a real practical example of what it means to be going. Matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples when he ascended to heaven, he says this. Here's your great commission. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. Now watch this. The word go is actually as you are going. Now, let me just explain to you what go means. Go means this. It's a synonym for don't stay. You got it? And see, what happens to us is we're still thinking about and we're still praying about whether I'm going to go. And God said, oh, no. You're mine. You are to be going. As you're going to your family, tell them about Jesus. As you're going to your work, you tell them about Jesus. As you're in your recreational time, you tell them about Jesus. Your neighbors, you go to them and tell them about Jesus. You see, I want to encourage you with this. I believe this with everything in my being. I shared this on Wednesday night in our prayer time, and I believe this. My prayer is this. By the time we start 2017, we'll be doing two services. Let me tell you how that's going to happen. Let me tell you how that's going to happen. It's going to happen because, watch this. You, 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 me are going to tell somebody and bring somebody to put in that chair. Amen. You see, the first step, listen, one of the things I want you to understand is this. Maybe it's hard for you just to tell them and present the gospel to them at first. Let me tell you something. Start with this. Speak to them about your own relationship with God and say, hey, come go with me to church. You're going to hear grace, grace, grace. That's what you're going to hear here at Freedom. I can tell you that. As long as I'm here. As long as God's got me here anyway. As long as, it, as long as you'll put up with me anyway. God has called us to be a going people. How many family members you know? How many friends you know? How many enemies you know? How many workers you know? How many people you play sports with that you entertain with? And watch this. How many of them, if you spoke to them about coming to church? You know what I found? I found this this week, just another example. 
sitting here talking to these people and I asked him, I said, do you go to church anywhere? Mm -mm. Why don't you go to church? Well, I thought about it, but I, you know, I just get tied up with so many different things. Well, I want to invite you to come. Well, that's amazing. That's the first time anybody's ever invited me to come to church. And I just thought to myself, how many others are just like that? And we have the greatest news in the world. I, I, I struggle with the, the Christian church. Let me tell you why I struggle. I don't believe we believe it. I believe we're more consumed with surviving right here. We believe doctors' answers to our issues more than we do the good doctor who's given us the answer for all life's problems. We have the good news. Can you, get, can you say amen to that? Amen. We have the good news. So I have a vision, and we have a vision as a church here of going out to our community and beyond. Now, October the 15th, 9.30 a.m., we're going to meet here, and we're going to have bags that we're going to be going to every house here on Blanchard Road. We've already counted them. There's 244 of them, okay? 244 of them. I need you to help me pass these out. And I just wonder how many of you really believe in the vision that God has for us and if you really believe it, be here October 15th. Amen? Amen? I want to encourage you. You can be a part, whether you're driving somebody or helping go into a house and giving them. We'll have a packet of information for them. It's a bag with our name on it. It'll be done extremely well. It's a gift they'll get as well. And so you come be a part of that. Amen? We believe that we got to start in our community first. And then we're going to keep going and keep going and keep going. Amen? Here's the second thing about our vision. I desire and we desire here at Freedom as a leadership team is have a vision of growing up in our relationship with the Lord and each other. This is the growing aspect. You see, I believe if we're going to be a healthy, to be healthy, God has given us what I, I call the three-legged picture approach. And I believe this with everything in me, and I can prove it through God's Word. I believe that, that a church is in a lot of ways unhealthy, and because perhaps maybe one of these legs are not being lived out in your own life. And so one of the first things I want you to see is that, that God desires for us that we must unite with others in worship. Now this has to do with our worship time right here today. I, the, I call it the big group. We need to be part of a big group where we're worshiping together. Why? Why is, so, why is worshiping together so important? Because according to Isaiah 40, verse 31, worshiping together renews our strength. You see, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagle, and they shall walk and not be weary. Why, think about it. You know, one of the beautiful things about what church offers is that when you're beaten up and wore out and you feel like you can't go on, you know where you need to be? Not in your bed. You need to be in the church. Let me tell you why. Because I have watched this 
over and over again. And I've heard countless people say the same thing. Man, I just don't feel like going to church today. You know, I have a hangnail today, and it's really bothering me. And because this hangnail is bothering me, i got to stay home and see if I can get this infection out of this finger here. And you think I'm crazy, but I listen. There's people doing that. Oh, last night, I had a bad night, and something just come over me, and I just really feel bad today. Well, you know what you need to do? Submit your badness to God. Have yourself here in church. Worship him, and watch what happens to those things in your life. It's an amazing thing how we are so geared toward letting our feelings control us and not our faith. You know what's amazing to me is you go to work and you're about dead. You get a headache. Huh. I can't come to church. I got a headache. You think I'm crazy. But it's the truth. I see it and hear it all the time. I get text messages all the time. It's amazing to me. I got a cold today, so I can't make it. I know you're thinking, I don't want to come and spread it. Watch this. I bet you spread it at work. I'm going to leave it alone. One of the beautiful things that as, as we learn to walk together, we, you see, worshiping together restores our joy. It really does. It, it restores our joy. And I can tell you the enemy is crafty. He is going to do everything he can to manipulate how you feel. You write it down. Listen, I, I get up many mornings. And I tell my wife, honey, I just don't feel like going to church today. She said, honey, you're the pastor. you got to go. <laughs> I mean, have mercy. You see, we need it. And you know what happens every time I override my feelings and let my faith control me? You know what happens after I, I, I made that decision? All of a sudden, my feelings change. All of us are that way. I remember my son early on, he said, Dad, I don't feel like taking out the trash. Well, son, take out the trash, you'll feel better. <laughs> and he still didn't believe that, but he, he does feel better. He, he starts talking again, you see. It's a sure sign you're feeling better. In Psalm 100, it says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing with joy. Wow. You see, I want to see us growing together in our, watch this, in our big group, just like this. You need that. I need that. We need that. But watch this. Also, we need to be growing in a small group called life groups. Now, I want to encourage you with this because life groups, watch this, help me connect with others for fellowship. You see, do you realize you are made in such a way that when you are not connected in the body, you begin to, watch this, you begin to feel alone. You begin to feel like I'm the only one going through this. And watch this, when you get connected in a life group, what happens is you hear their life experiences and you hear their issues and you say, hey, hey they just like me. 
We're in here, hey, I believe in this philosophy, misery loves company, okay? If you, you, you're just miserable, come with others. They're miserable, but we're finding the one who's not miserable, and he takes our misery away, and we become a people of ministry, of hope, healing, and life. Amen? Amen? That's what it's about. You see, none of us have it all together. And listen, if you think you can live a long ranger, a Christian life, you are sadly mistaken. Let me tell you why you're sadly mistaken. It's because what you have to offer, somebody else needs. What you have, I know, I hear this a lot. I don't have anything to offer. Oh, my goodness, yes, you do. You're created in the image of God. And if you're created in the image of God, you've got a lot to offer. You have a lot to offer. Listen. Sometimes just your presence is what we need. Just your presence. And amazing what will happen when your presence is there. I love this in Romans chapter 12. I didn't put it on the screen, but just listen to it. It's out of the message translation. I love Eugene Peterson and how he takes God's word and puts it in everyday language. He says, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to too much, would we? You see, one of the things the enemy is good at is just separating us. And you know what was supposed to draw us closer? The internet and our cell phones. And all the other, Instagram and Twitter and, God, my brain is busting at so many things that you communicate with, right? And it was supposed to do what? Help us get closer. You know, we're in a country right now where people are committing suicide at record rates. You know why? Because they feel all alone. You know why? I don't care how much you do this. You're going, be in, you're going to be in a doctor's office getting prepared for long, I'm going to tell you that, number one. But anyway, no matter how, how much you do this, there's nothing like doing this. That's right. Nothing. That's right. Nothing. <laughs> so with that said, let me just throw this little thing out here to you. We have life groups here on Sunday morning at 9.30. And it's for all age groups. I don't care if you're uh, eight months or 80 years of age. We got something for you. Amen? Amen. And I want to encourage you to come be a part. You know, this is a great way to get to know somebody. This is a great way to see how you can give yourself away and how others can give themselves away, and we can become one. See, the ultimate goal with God is to bring his church together as one. You see, the ultimate goal of my marriage is for my wife and me to become what? One. You know what his church is? It's about bringing people together who have different personalities, who have different uniquenesses, and bringing us together and making us one. One. It's awesome when you realize God's incredible plan. Now, we can't do this on our own. We have to have the Lord to help us, and that's why he's given us his Holy Spirit. Now, give you one more thing. You heard Miss Dolly so beautifully and joyfully share that the Daring Faith class, Daring Faith, next Sunday at 5 o'clock,
If you want to grow in your faith, don't miss it. And when you leave here today, there's a sign-up sheet out there. So I make sure you have all the material you need for that. You just come. I'm not going to call you out and tell, or anything like that. You just come and learn. And I'm leading that, and I can tell you I am so fired up about that, and I believe with everything in me that you and I are going to grow, and this church is going to grow like never before because we're going to see men and women living, daring faith. Amen? Amen? That's what God desires. Now watch this. Uh, third leg I want you to share is this. Not only the big group and the small group, but I believe that in order to be a healthy disciple of Jesus Christ, you need personal mentoring relationships. Why? They help me learn from other people's experiences. You see, I found in small groups, you can hear some discussion. But if I have some personal issues that I need to deal with, listen, I don't always want to share in a, in a small group. And it's probably not wise sometimes to do that. Okay. I have learned that I need somebody who's been down the road, not somebody that knows it all, somebody who's experiencing grace in their life and walking with a newness of grace. Now, as they are walking with God, they help me because, watch this, inevitably, I'll tell them something about my life, and you know what they tell me? I've already been there and done that. And you know what? They encourage me, and they help me, and they guide me in the way in which I am to go. You see, I thank God that, man, I, I told my mentor, I, I think I'm going to kill my wife or my wife's going to kill me. That's just where we are. I, I feel like I, I don't even know the Lord at this point. He said, yeah, you do. Been there and done that. Let me share some experiences of me and my relationship with my wife. Oh, you felt that way? Yeah. She's felt that way? Yeah. And this is what you need to do. <laughs> you need to start blessing her. You need to start thanking God for her. You need to start praying for her. Now, let me ask you, how many of you just want to sign up when you feel your wife is an enemy or your husband's an enemy of you? How many of you just want to say, God, just really bless them. God, just really pray. I pray for them. How I many, I just, you know, hey, none of us, Right? I'm being real here, okay? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm being real. But because of this man's maturity, he took me by the hand. He said, Alvin, God's called you to live above the natural life and start living in the supernatural life where you depend on God and look to him for your security, your significance, and your confidence in life, not your spouse, not your children, or not anyone else. You see, that only comes through a personal mentor. You see, Barnabas took Paul under his wing. Man, you know, I remember this. It's so, it's so funny to me. Barnabas has taken Saul. You remember Saul? He's now his name's Paul. He was killing Christians. He was killing them. He was after them. And watch this. He gets converted. And the first one that comes to his aid is Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And this is what he said. It's amazing. Uh, God, wait a minute. Uh, we need to have a talk here. Because I don't think you know who this guy is. Now watch this. He already knows who he is. He, te he tells Ananias to go and pray for him. He he's, he's a believer. And now Barnabas is taking him under his wings. And guess what? Oh, Barney. 
He comes to the disciples. They're excited to see Barney. And Barney says, oh, by the way, I brought a friend with me today. And his name is Paul. Remember Saul? Barney, uh, you have not heard from God here. Ain't no way you can hurt God. Do you know the reputation of this guy? I laugh at that. You know why I laugh at that? Because I've experienced that. I have taken people under my wings to help encourage them. And they, watch this, when the world and people I even in the church. Pastor, you know who you're hanging out with? Mm-hmm. I know them real well. Have you gotten as real as they are? Oh, let's don't get that crazy. Yeah, they've let me know all their stuff. And they just poured out their heart and says, I'm a mess. Can you help me? I said, the grace of God loves messes. Because he takes our messes and gives us a message. Amen? So <laughs> this is what we learn. Barnabas took Paul. And watch this. Paul took Timothy. Paul, watch this, not only took Timothy, he took Epaphroditus, he took Philemon, he took Aquila, he took Priscilla. He, he began, watch this, this became a pattern in his life. And you find all through Scripture, leaders doing this. We learn from others who have learned some stuff in their journey of faith. We need the big group, the small group, and we need the personal one-on-one. Here's my last point today. Our vision is not only a vision of, of going, a vision of growing, but a vision of sowing into his church and his kingdom. You see, if you're visiting with us today, I want you to know that you're among an elite group of pioneers who have sacrificed in faith to get our church to this point. And I'm proud of them. I'm proud of you, church. You see, the reason we are here is because God has led us, and we have believed his guidance through our leadership here at Freedom. And since we believe we have put actions to our faith, and God has, we have sown graciously, and God has blessed us graciously. I want to encourage you with this. As you think about sowing, it's, a, it's an agricultural term, I know. We don't use it very often, but it's a picture of giving away. It's a picture of having what you have and sowing it. Let me just start with a couple things. How about your time? One of the most valuable commodities that you have. Are you sowing your time? I always tell our church this. I say, listen, it start with this. Start as a foundation, just as a basic. Give 10% of your time to the church or to the kingdom of God. Whether you serve it in a ministry here in this church or a mission outside this church, give at least 10% of your time to somebody. Amen? Now watch this. Your talent. You've got a talent. Every one of us have at least one talent. I want to encourage you. Use your talent to build the body of Christ. To read, watch this, to help others who are in our world who are in desperate need of help. I, I want to encourage you. Take your time. Give it away. Take your talent. Give it away. This is what I often hear people say. I don't have time. Well, maybe we need to ask God to take away the time you have. Right? I mean, you don't have time. No, we make time for the real priorities that we're believing in. And the problem in our church and all the churches everywhere, for the most part, is this. We don't prioritize our time right. 
We're all given the same amount of time. We choose whether we're going to use our time with the priority of God involved or not. You see, you know what I love about this church? This place has been renovated where it is today because of the time and the talent of the people that God's given us in this church. I mean, it's amazing what God's done. I mean, we, we took this building, and it was absolutely trash. And I'm telling you, in three months' time, listen, God did some incredible things. It's a beautiful place, what God's done. And this is just the beginning. And to God be all the glory. Now, watch this. Because that we have, we have sown our time and our talent, watch this. We've also sown our money. Listen, we wouldn't be in this place. We wouldn't have uh, purchased this property if it wasn't for each one of us giving our part. Listen, whatever it was, whether it was a dollar or whether it was $100,000, God sees it and God honors it. And we are blessed today to have this place because you have sown your monies. Now watch this. Because you've been obedient to this principle of sowing, look what God has promised. Six quick promises. Look here. Sowing brings God's blessing. God's blessed you. You see, generous people will be blessed, according to Proverbs. And Deuteronomy 15 says, this, Give generously because of this God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. Second, sowing increases my happiness. Jesus said, you're blessed to give, then what? To receive. Blessed means happy. You see, Jesus is saying there's more happiness in giving than receiving. And now, think about this if we get a hold of just that principle. It's, I'd be more happy if I can give than I receive. So just take what you have in your wallet and give to the person next to you. <laughs> I'm really crazy about that now. Three, sowing expands my influence. Four, sowing multiplies my money. It's amazing to me. In Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Paul said this to the Corinthians. You will be enriched so that you can give even more than before. You can give generously. That's what it's about. Number five, sowing brings God's protection. It's amazing to me when you give, when you don't feel like it, and when you don't feel like, I don't know that I can do this, I, 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 I'm going to give this check, but I am fear and trembling. You ever had those moments? Yeah. I mean, I've had them a lot. I mean, my wife wrote a check one day. I said, you did what? Ah, you're kidding me. She had more faith than I did. But God protected us, and he always does. And here's the last verse I want you to get. This is so important. Sowing will be rewarded in heaven. I tell you, listen, listen to Jesus' own words. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Paul told Timothy this, use your money to do good. Always bring ready, being ready to share with others whatever God has given you. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity, and they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. Now, church, let me remind you of the vision that God has put in our hearts. Here's a dream that God has put in my heart to see happen. 
My prayer is that we will grow big enough to where we can support planting another church. Our desire here is to have a recovery center. Why? Why a recovery center? I can tell you why. When you study God's Word, you find in the book of Revelation, and you see this transition happening right now, is that more and more people in our world are becoming addicted like none other. Do you know the number one topic in three states of this election? You know what the number one issue is? Drug addiction. And you think, well, I don't have a problem with that. I understand. That's great. Praise God. You know, I hope you never have to. But listen, we got to put ourselves in position to be able to what? Help people. We desire that. Have a recovery center. Why well, We desire to have a, I desire to have a care home for seniors. Have you noticed we're living longer? And you know what I find? One of the most expensive things out there today is a nursing home. I mean, I am amazed how much it costs. I don't know how people afford it. It's unbelievable. And I believe that the church can be involved in helping people in this aspect, and that's what we want to do. We want to have a church, a sanctuary to eventually seat at least 500 people. We want a life center with a gymnasium fully staffed so that we can help people meet their needs. Uh, we have a community that's in desperate need. And listen, we need to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. My desire is for us to have a Bible school to equip God's people so they can handle the Word of God rightly and be able to go out and be real missionaries that God's called us to be. Those are some of the things, that the dreams that God's put in my heart to see happen here at Freedom. I can tell you this much. It won't happen without God. This is a God-sized thing. Remember I told you one thing about a vision? It's always God-sized. But watch this. He always uses you and I to be involved in what he's going to do. He's just waiting for his people to get, watch this, to get in position where you'll trust him and let him do what he wants to do. Okay? Now, We've taken a big step. We purchased this property here, and, and we've, we've gotten in here, and we renovated it. Spent a lot of money on that, so on and so forth. But hear me. That was step one. We're, we're in the process now of getting ready to take step two, and we're working on that right now. And I want to encourage you to help you to see what, what I desire more than anything is for us to be in a financial position. Watch this. That we can help people financially. <clears throat> One of the things I have found in churches, this is what happens. We keep building buildings and buildings and buildings. And I see this over and over again, that when people go to them and they need help, they can't because why? They have to take care of their buildings. So therefore... God in prayer, in deep prayer, and lots of prayer, and us together as a leadership team realized we've got to have a different focus. And our focus is to get ourselves in such a financial position by which we can help people financially. And it starts here in the church. Listen, church shouldn't be having to go to the government for help. We're supposed to be there for them. This is why I tell people, if you're not a part of a church, you need to be part of the church. Because the church becomes, watch this, part of your responsibility. And we're here to help you. And listen, we are called to be in a position by which we can help people. When people come to me, can I tell you this? You'll be shocked when I tell you. I have people call me every day for help. 
every day. And sometimes twice a day. This is just the beginning of what the future is going to look like. And that doesn't mean that, listen, that we just trying to hand out to everybody. No, no listen, I counsel with these people. I try to figure out where they are, and I want to help. Listen, I have a compassion for people. I can just tell you that. If I'm going to err on any side, you just go ahead and just write this down. You throw stones at me if you want. That's okay. I don't care. If I'm going to err on a side, it's going to be on compassion. I can just tell you that. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt even when I can't understand the benefit of the doubt. Okay? That's just where God's got my heart. Okay? Well, God told me this, a principle this way. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. I believe that. And watch this. You can never outgive the Lord. Amen? So our desire, here's our, here's our first goal, that I'm going to see us meet by Easter coming up, all right? Our desire is to raise $300,000. But watch this. Don't get choked at this point, okay? This is our first step. We want to raise $160,000 by Easter, okay? Now, listen. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the Lord first and pray. And God, over the next six months, I want you to manifest yourself and provide for me monies that I can give toward this. And whatever you give me, I'm going to give. And in so giving to you, I'm going to trust that you are going to meet my needs above and beyond what I can give. Now listen, you're looking at me and you're thinking, Pastor, I am, I am living week to week and sometimes day to day. I understand. You start where you are. This is not a beat-up session, and I don't want you to take guilt out of here. This is an opportunity for all of us, whether you're a little child that, can, that maybe won't give your $1 allowance, or you can write a check today for $160,000, and by the way, you can go ahead and do that. No, listen, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I, you can write a check for $300,000, Jody, you'll be all right with that. Okay? Just go ahead, right? Now, now, why do I want this? Remember, there's three things involved here. What I want you to see, and I'm going I'm to hush. Number one, we want to help people, okay? That's the first reason why we want to do it. We're putting ourselves in a financial position where we can help people. Second, so that, watch this, that we can take the mortgage that we have and begin to release ourselves from that debt so that we can give even more to what we want to do in our future. And third, to be able, as God shows us our need, to be able to have the next building that he's called us to have. Okay? That's where we're headed. <laughs> I say this by faith today, that God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we can think or imagine according to the power that works within us who believe. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? I want to encourage you to think how you, listen, we, by the way, let me just go ahead and throw this out to you. Do you know Christmas, what day Christmas is this year? It's Sunday. And oh, by the way, we are going to have a worship service on Christmas, okay? Just perhaps thinking, you don't have to wait till Christmas, but just perhaps 
Christmas might be a time that you want to give a gift to Jesus and to the, to the goal that we have here at Freedom. Imagine that. Imagine telling your kids, hey, half of what you get this Christmas, we're just going to give to this goal. Talk to your kids first, okay? <laughs> you know, really talk to them about Jesus first, okay? Listen, church, we can do this. But it's going to take the grace and the mighty working of God. Listen, some can give a lot. Some can give little. It doesn't matter. I want you to stretch your faith. That's why I want to encourage you to keep coming, keep growing, keep going as you are in your world. And watch this, keep sowing. Because as you sow, other people are being benefited by it. Can I tell you just a real testimony? I'll hush. I promise you this time. Is this 22-year-old young man that has cancer, had hospice come in, and it didn't look good. It hasn't been looking good. I've been praying for them, seeing them. Well, just this week, I got a phone call just Friday. Her mother called and says this. I want you to know this. <laughs> My son, for the first time, is not throwing up, and he's drinking something, and he's wanting to eat something. And he says, I feel better than I've ever felt before. I don't know what's going on. She don't know what she did to me. Because I tell you, when I heard that, I sent up a hallelujah, praise the Lord. I know the pain he's been in. And I'd see his face, and he'd have a hard time. He said, he said Pastor, I, I'm looking to Jesus. I talk to him all the time. But it's hard. I said, I know it. I'm sorry. But God is with you, and I'm with you. We're all with you. You've got a lot of people praying for you and trusting the Lord for you. Church, be a part of helping people. Be a part of helping people. You realize just the last two years, we've, we've had 13 people, 13 children come to know the Lord. Amen. We've had 14 young uh, youth come to know the Lord. Amen. We've, we've baptized 102 people since this ministry started. Wow. That's the Lord. That's why I tell you to give. Haiti's mission trip is in, not October, it's been moved to January, by the way. So uh, we're going to be going to Haiti. We're going to reach those over there with the good news of Jesus Christ. God has called us to re reach all our people. We're starting here at home, and we're just going to keep moving, okay? So I want to encourage you. Sow into the kingdom and let him show himself to you. Amen? He will do it. He will do it. And by the way, next week, if you want to start giving to this, just write on your check, Vision 777. That's all you got to do, okay? Now, you can give online. You can go on the website and give online. And there's a place there for you to be able to say, Vision 777, okay? So you give, right? Give and let God do what he's going to do. Listen, don't worry about what somebody else gives. You just pray and ask God, God, I want to give above what I can think I can give. And I just want to be a part of that. And I promise you, he will do it. And I promise you this much, your pastor is going to lead the way. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not going to do, Okay. I will sacrificially give to this just like I'm asking you, okay?
Father, in Jesus' glorious name, I come to you now recognizing and knowing that you are the great and awesome God. God, it's been a long day. I'm, I'm overwhelmed, and I just know that these people are overwhelmed. Today, I just thank you, Lord, for the, for the grace of God over their lives. Let your blessing be upon them, and Lord, guide us in the way. Help us to be a people that is going, that is growing, and that's sowing. God, if we'll do that, you will bless us, I believe, with all of our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Charles, 